the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. He made a covenant with Laban, and then Jacob is the one who offers a sacrifice, and Jacob is the one who invited his brethren, he invited his relatives to a meal. They shared a meal together. That's a reconciliation meal. He invited Laban to a meal, and, and eating with him was, was a way of proclaiming that the relationship is now restored. Jesus does the same thing with Peter at the Sea of Galilee. Jesus would have been well within his rights to fire all of the disciples after they deserted him in his arrest. Were these really the type of people he wanted to carry his message to the world? But as Pastor Dan will remind us in today's message, our Savior's grace surpasses our understanding. In today's message, we'll witness a beautiful demonstration of His forgiveness and reconciliation for the disciples. He shared a meal with these men, which in their culture was a common way to restore right relationships. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of John chapter 21 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. one occasion when I was about 10 when my brother-in-law and I went out deep sea fishing in the Gulf of Mexico and we came upon a board floating in the water and under the board was a huge school of dolphin, not the mammal, not like flipper, but dolphin fish, mahi-mahi. Uh, and we sat there and we, we caught so many dolphin that we caught until we ran out of bait. It was 65 dolphins. 40 years ago, and I still remember the exact number because it was so many, and when we got home, we counted them because it was unbelievable. I think that's kind of what's going on here with John. John's saying, hey, it was 153 fish that we caught. It was such a huge catch. I remember the exact number. Now watch verse 12. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. He invites them to eat breakfast with him. He's, he's got a, note this, he's got a breakfast waiting for them when they come to the shore. He's already got a fire going. He's already got fish grilling. He's already got bread baking on the fire. He, now he invites the disciples, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord. Verse 13, Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. So when the disciples, again, when they, when they get to shore, Jesus had a fire going, he had breakfast cooking, 
And, and then he invited them to come and eat breakfast with them, with him. And, and Jesus served them. He served them breakfast. He gave them the bread that he baked for them. He gave them the fish that he cooked and grilled for them. And then he, he served them breakfast. Now, what is happening here? This isn't just a breakfast. This isn't just some meal. Jesus' actions here were, 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 were full of meaning and, and symbolism. This is more than just a breakfast. What Jesus does here, it, it is a cultural thing that Jesus does in this moment by serving this breakfast to the disciples. This is what was known in that culture at that time and even still today. This is what was known as a meal of reconciliation. A meal of reconciliation. Through this breakfast and the invitation that Jesus extends to eat with them and the, the uh, serving them of food, Jesus was extending forgiveness to Peter. And the other disciples. It was a gesture of pardon. And again it's a cultural thing. In that culture. uh, In Middle Eastern culture. Even to this present day. They have this custom. They have this, this, this practice. Of reconciling over a meal. And having a reconciliation Meal where, where people that are two people that are in conflict of some kind, they sit down at a table over a meal and they settle their differences. And the person that was wronged extends forgiveness to the other person. It's a thing in that culture. And understand too, in biblical culture, even, even today still in some Middle Eastern cultures, Bedouin culture, for example, when people are in conflict, they don't eat together. Uh, you see in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, there's a person in the church in Corinth who is living openly in sin. And what does Paul tell the Corinthians to do? Don't eat with them. That's what Paul says. Don't eat with that guy. It's a cultural thing. We read that and, he say, and we say, well, why can't they eat with them? Because you don't eat with people that you're in conflict with in that culture. When they reconcile, they symbolize it by partaking in a, in a joint meal together. Uh, today in Bedouin culture in the Middle East, they, they call this meal, uh, the word is, is sulha, sulha. It's a sulha meal. The word sulha means forgiveness or reconciliation. That's what they call it. It's a sulha meal. The Hebrew, the Hebrew word shulhan is from the same root word. The Hebrew word means table or meal. So, the, so the, the, they have this Arab, Arabic word that means reconciliation. And there's a corresponding Hebrew word that means table or meal. They're, they're, they're connected in that culture. In the, in the Middle Eastern culture, in the ancient biblical culture, uh, if, there, if there was a conflict between two parties, uh, the two parties in conflict, they reconciled over a meal. And we see this in the Bible. And it, and it was a formal, intentional process where the person that was wronged offers food to the person that wronged him to communicate forgiveness, to communicate pardon to that person. Jesus is the one offering the meal here. He shows up at the beach and he builds a fire and he cooks fish and bread and he has this meal waiting for those disciples. And he offers them bread. He serves them. He's the one that was wronged, but he serves them. He's communicating forgiveness through this meal. And get this, culturally, once they have this meal, once they have this, this sulha, this, this reconciliation meal, once they have this meal together, the, the two parties are reconciled 
the relationship is restored. And get this, the person that was wrong can never bring up the incident again. It's as if the whole matter is erased and never ever happened. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that God forgives us of our sins through Jesus Christ and he remembers our sins no more. He never brings up our sins again. It's, it's, we're, we're justified. It's just as if we've never sinned at all in God's sight. Huh. Go back to Genesis chapter 26. Genesis 26. Isaac, remember Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Isaac. Isaac uh, was in conflict uh, with the Philistines over, over water rights. The land of Israel is 70% desert. Water is scarce. It's difficult to acquire, especially in the ancient world. And so people would fight over water rights. Uh, in fact, I think, I might be wrong on this, but I, I think I remember reading uh, that the, uh, the Arabic word for water, the root word for it, and the root word for war are the same word. Because there's conflict over water in the desert. And who controls the water? Remember the opening scene of Lawrence of Arabia. Lawrence is in the desert with a guide and the guide goes to a well in the desert and drinks the water and then he gets shot by the guy who owns the well. And so here in, in uh, chapter 26, there's conflict over water in the desert. Uh, look at verse 12, Genesis 26, 12. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold and the Lord blessed him the man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. I have prosper and prospering prosperous all in one verse. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, And they had filled them in with earth. So they filled in all of his wells. And Abimelech, that's the king of the Philistines, said to Isaac, go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. Then Isaac departed from there and he pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water, which they had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham He called them by the names which his father had called them. Also, Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. He found a spring. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac and Isaac's herdsmen, saying, this water is ours. So he called the name of the well Esek, which means quarreling, because they quarreled with him. Then, so now they move on. They got to dig a well somewhere else. Then they dug another well. And they quarreled over that one also. So he called its name Sitna, which means strife. And he moved from there and dug another well. And they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth. Because he said, for now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. Then he went up from there to Beersheba. And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servants, Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord and he pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. The well's still there in Beersheba, by the way. 
Then Abimelech came to him from Gerar with Ahuzath, one of his friends, and Phicol, the commander of his army. And Isaac said to them, Why have you come to me since you hate me and have sent me away from you? So he's had all this conflict with the Philistines and Abimelech and his people over water. And he has to keep moving. He has to keep digging wells. They keep taking his wells away from him. He's got all this conflict going on, all this strife. And so now when Abimelech and his men come, he says, what, you know, what are you doing here? You hate me. But they said, verse 28, we have certainly seen that the Lord is with you. So we said, let there now be an oath, a covenant between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you that you will do us no harm since we have not touched you. And since we have done nothing to you but good and have sent you away in peace, you are now the blessed of the Lord. So he comes, he wants to make a covenant of peace. He wants to reconcile. We'll return to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton in a moment. But first, Pastor Dan would like to extend a special invitation to our listeners. If you've enjoyed the messages on Ring of Truth, I'd like to personally invite you to join us this Sunday at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just five minutes from Routes 29, 95, and 100. I'd love for you to come be part of our time of worship and Bible study this weekend at 9 or 11 a.m., I always enjoy meeting listeners of Ring of Truth, so please be sure to introduce yourself to me after church. To find out more information and to get directions, visit our website at calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. That website again is calvaryec.com. We look forward to seeing you. Now, back to today's message. So what do they do in that culture? They eat a meal. Look at the next verse. Verse 30. So he made them a feast, and they ate and drank. And then they arose early in the morning and swore an oath with one another, and Isaac sent them away, and they departed from him in peace. They're reconciling. In that culture, how do you reconcile with your enemy? Over a meal. Isaac offers them a meal. He prepares them a meal, and they sat down, and they ate together. Genesis 31, turn over to Genesis 31 for me. We have uh, the story of Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and his father-in-law, Laban. You you probably know that story. Remember, uh, Laban wronged Jacob. He tricked him, he mistreated him, he exploited him for years. Uh, You remember the story, uh, Jacob wanted to marry Laban's daughter, Rebekah. He loved Rebekah, and they agreed to a marriage. Uh, But then what Laban did is he switched his daughters and he put his daughter uh, Leah, uh, who was his older, less attractive attractive daughter, uh, in for Rachel. And because she had a veil on, Jacob didn't realize it was was Leah. Uh, And so they, they get married and he doesn't know that he's marrying the wrong girl. He's not marrying Rachel. And Laban deceived him. Uh, And then Laban required Jacob to work for seven additional years before he could marry Rachel. And so he does that. And then after Jacob fulfilled all of these requirements, uh, Jacob finally was fed up and he he took his two wives and his children and he leaves, he flees secretly from Laban. But then Laban pursued him. Laban caught up with him. And they they have kind of this confrontation there. 
And then finally, Jacob and Laban made a covenant of peace with each other in which they agreed that they would, they would not harm each other and that they would stay away from each other. And then what, guess what they did? They shared a meal because they're reconciling. They're making peace with each other. And in that culture, you did that over a meal. Look at Genesis 31 verse 54. And look, look who is the one offering the meal. Then Jacob offered a sacrifice on the mountain and called his brethren to eat bread. And they ate bread and stayed all night on the mountain. And early in the morning, Laban arose, kissed his sons and his daughters and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned to his place. Jacob was wronged by Laban, but he made a covenant with Laban And then Jacob is the one who offers a sacrifice. And Jacob is the one who invited his brethren. He invited his relatives to a meal. They shared a meal together. That's a reconciliation meal. He he invited Laban to a meal. And and eating with him was, was a way of proclaiming that the relationship is now restored. Jesus does the same thing with Peter at the Sea of Galilee. Let me give you a couple more examples. Psalm 23, you guys know Psalm 23. Turn to Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yet though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Psalm 23 verse 5, what does that say? You prepare a table before me in the presence of of my enemies. That's a reconciliation meal. The Lord's my, the Lord's my shepherd. Uh, God, God prepares a table before my enemies. In other words, God pre- prepares a table before our enemies. That, that means he makes a way for us to be reconciled to our enemies. He mediates reconciliation for us over a meal. How about just a couple examples out of the New Testament for you? Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, you have the story of the prodigal son. And we'll, we'll kind of go through these last couple ones quickly. You have the story of the prodigal son. You guys know that story. The son asked his father for his inheritance, which was uh, unthinkable. It was offensive to request your inheritance, because what you were saying is to your father was, I wish you were dead so I could have my portion of the inheritance. I don't want to have to wait for you to die. Could you just give it to me now? Very offensive, very hurtful, unthinkable to ask that. And then he gets his inheritance, and you know the story, the prodigal son, he goes off to a far-off country, he wastes all of his inheritance, and then he comes back home hoping to just be a servant in his father's house. And when he returned home, what did his father do? What was the first thing his father did? He killed a fatted calf, right? Luke 15, verse 22, Luke 15, 22. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be Mary, the the first thing the father said when his son came home was, let's eat a meal together. He's communicating forgiveness. Not only to his son, but we're told in the passage, he invites the whole town to this, this party. 
He's communicating forgiveness to his son. He's also communicating forgiveness to the community. I've forgiven him. We're reconciled. Our relationship is restored. That's why that father had a fatted calf. He was waiting for this day when his son would come home where he could show forgiveness to his son and reconciliation to his son and pardon to his son. One final verse for you, Revelation chapter 3. There Jesus is speaking to uh, the church of Laodicea, the Laodicean church, which is the lukewarm church. And it was lukewarm and it made him sick. Sick to his stomach, that church. So much so that he said, I want to vomit you out of my mouth. Very graphic language. And, and he rebukes them. In Revelation chapter 3, this Laodicean church, he says, you make me sick to my stomach. You make me want to puke. And he says in verse 17, because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. He, he rebukes them. But then down in verse 20, he says to that same church, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him. He, re- he rebukes them. He says, you make me sick to my stomach. But if you open the door and invite me in, I'll have a meal with you. He's, he's offering them reconciliation. He's offering them forgiveness. He's offering them restoration. I'll eat with you. I'll be reconciled with you. I'll I'll pardon you. We find this all throughout the Bible, this this reconciliation meal throughout the Bible as a way of, of bringing peace and forgiveness between two parties that are in conflict. You go back to John chapter 21, and here in John chapter 21, Jesus had a meal of reconciliation with Peter and the other disciples. He's extending forgiveness to them by inviting them to eat breakfast with him. It's, it's, it's more than just a meal. It's more than just fish and bread on the beach. And as I said, once they share that meal together, once the, they eat the first bite, what they've done wrong will never be mentioned again. It's as if they, they never did it. It's as if the offense never happened. And after denying the Lord three times, after blowing it as badly as Peter blew it, I'm sure there was something deeply healing for Peter to sit by that fire, to come ashore and see that fire there and see that bread on the fire and see that fish on the fire and to be invited by Jesus to eat breakfast and to sit there on that beach and share bread with him and share fish with him and share a meal with him and, and, it, and it wasn't the food that was good. It was the forgiveness that was so good. It was the pardon. This is how they did it in that culture. This is how you forgive someone in that culture. You want to forgive someone in the Bible? You invite them to a meal. And you offer them something to eat. And by doing that, you're communicating, I've forgiven you for what you've done against me. And I don't hold it against you. And I'm never going to mention it again. And it's just as if it's never happened in my mind. And you know what? God invites us to his table to share a meal with him. The communion table is our table of reconciliation. Communion table is God's way of communicating to us. 
I forgive you. I don't hold it against you what you've done. And I'm never going to mention it again. It's as if it's never happened in my mind. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring sure than the finest crystal. Thanks for joining Pastor Dan today to study the Gospel of John. This book articulates Jesus' life in a unique and powerful way, revealing Christ's deity throughout its pages. John paints a picture of the King of Kings by also showing how he could take the sins of the world with him to the cross. Today, you can have your sins forgiven by Jesus by this death that he already endured. Jesus didn't stay in the grave, though. He rose. He lives now. And he wants a relationship with you. Would you like to know more? Give us a call. We'd be happy to share the joy and freedom waiting for you in Christ. Call us at 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. We'd like to meet you, too. If you live in the Baltimore, Washington area, come worship with us at Calvary Chapel. We'll gather this Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Calvary Chapel is located in Columbia, Maryland, only minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. For more information on what you can expect when you visit, go to calvaryec.com. You'll also find more of Pastor Dan's messages at our website. Again, that's calvaryec.com. That's all for today. Join us next time for more from the Gospel of John right here on Ring of Truth. It's true.